Hey, what's up, everybody? Brian with the Herfcast here. Tonight, I've got Albert Escobedo. Uh, I found out about him through Keegan Damron, who was on the last episode. So I'm very fortunate that he hooked us up. Uh, we had a, a actually a really long talk. This is a this is a marathon podcast. So I'll I'll split it up into two parts, and you know, hopefully, you guys enjoy it. We talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, Albert's had a fascinating past. He's a comic that did some time in L.A. Uh, in, in comedy. Um, and he's a vet tech. And we talk about both of those. And we talk about his travels in life and, and whatnot. Uh, it's, I, in my opinion, a very good conversation. Time flew by. We did almost three hours. So I'll try to get that into a... Uh, two parts so that it's not too painstaking for everybody. I'll have them released, uh, you know, somewhat close together, I hope. So this episode is brought to you by Flatbed Cigar Company. If you go to flatbedcigarcompany.com or panacea.com, you could find a very good selection of cigars. My personal favorite is the Henshaw Street uh, he's got the Panacea line is, is fantastic. My favorite out of the Panacea line is the, uh, green, which is the Pennsylvania Broadleaf. Um, he's got some really good cigars. And if you want to try them out, go ahead and use the coupon code HC25. That's H as in Henry, C as in Charlie, 25. So HC25 will get you 25% off your first order. So try them out. Hopefully you enjoy. And I hope you enjoy this, uh, fantastic conversation that me and albert had thanks for listening right, i'm very curious as to what you're doing right now usually in the movies they bite the end of the cigars no. off no, so I this mean, is a tool that just yeah, gives just you a, a little it's a punch it's a little, little hole yeah so it's like a biopsy punch from like a hospital <laughs> a dermal punch yeah exactly it's exactly what it looks like so uh yeah punch it uh it's it's just a little bit of a cleaner Cleaner yeah, yeah. cut, so absolutely. I figured, you know, for because you've you've never smoked a cigar before. I've smoked a cigar before, but very rarely. I can a handful of times in my life yeah. and never finished one ever. Yeah, that's, definitely not. So, all right. So I've got uh, Cao La Triviata is is the cigar, and uh, I was trying to find something that that wouldn't wouldn't mess you up too bad or anything. I mean, number one, don't inhale. Yeah, I caught that on the Keegan podcast. Yeah. Don't inhale, but I know that. That's like cigar <laughs> rule number one. Yeah. What do you do? You just let it simmer in your mouth or yeah, you just... blow it out immediately? What's the what's the procedure no, I mean, here? Well, you want you want to taste it. Uh-huh. So just kinda I mean um kinda kinda hold it in your mouth a little bit. But right. I mean just you know, get the briefly get the taste it. Yeah. And yeah, move just on. taste it and Exhale, and how long yeah. would it take you? This is like a good six inch cigar, right? Uh, yeah, five it's, inch. It's five and a half by fifty. So, so. That, how long would it take you to smoke one of these guys? Uh, I could probably get through it in a little bit over an hour. Yeah, that's still a long time because you got to yeah. think. Typically, people are smoking cigarettes or whatever, and they're smoking that in ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, hell, when I smoke cigarettes, it was, uh, you know, like usually five minutes or less. So what I did now is I, I toasted the foot. Oh, it's so, not ready to go yet. No. So here I am puffing away like a fiend. No, nah, you're fine. So toast the end so it's nice and charred, and then uh, you know it's just easier to light the entire thing so you don't get one uh, one one side lit and the other side not. So gotcha. So an even burn. 
char it first. These are big cigars, man. This is like legit. I'm a little bit intimidated, but I'm excited. I feel like it'll be a good experience. As opposed to all the other people in my life who've offered me a cigar that I've wasted for them. Uh, well, that's I, I was looking for something that wasn't too expensive. and. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a smart move. So just rotate it a little bit. If my lighter will work. He's got a backup lighter. Yep. All right. So that's that. All right. Uh, so I guess I should say this is uh, this is Brian with the Herfcast, and I'm with Albert Escobedo. That's right. Uh, he was referred to me by Keegan, who was on the last episode, and uh, Albert is a comedian who's done some stuff in L.A., um, and he's a vet tech here in the region, uh, northwest Indiana. So, um He's he's had a pretty fascinating run and um, he's done some done some really cool stuff. So I think we'll talk about that if you don't mind. No, absolutely not. We 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 could start anywhere. Uh, I do like to talk about my comedy and the the pet stuff I do. I have a pet podcast, and that's how I mean that's not how I know Keegan, but that's how he and I started talking about podcasting. He has his podcast, Keegan and Friends, and I have mine, Pet Peeves Podcast, and we've been on each other's. So I'm glad that I I got connected to you through him in this little region podcast world that none of us knew existed and yeah. now we're all learning obviously i never heard of the herfcast or hefcast herfcast herfcast i haven't heard of it until yesterday today when did you contact me yesterday uh yesterday yeah, yeah. no so, i was like so yeah. I, this is my first podcast i'm doing that's not comedy related so this is me branching out this is me doing something a little different than I've ever done in the past. And I've been on, I don't know, maybe seven different people's podcasts, and they were all stand-up comedians, every yeah. single one of them. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, this there's there's really no format to this. It's just yeah. uh, cigars and conversation. So. Yeah, that's why I like, that's exactly what it's titled, right? C- yeah. Cigars and conversation. So yeah. I saw that in your title. I was like, okay, that's like mine. It's pets and conversation. Yeah. Really. It, we talk about pets and a, a little bit, sometimes a lot. It depends on the guest. It depends on the topics. But typically, it's mostly comedy. Because all my guests are usually comedians. Yeah. So I'm curious to see where this will go. Uh, so where do you want to start? Um, well, first, we are smoking the CAO La Triviata uh, Divino. Divino. I'm, I, I'm horrible with pronunciations. Uh, it's a 5 by 50 from Nicaragua. Uh, the wrapper is a Ecuador Habano. The binder is Cameroon. And the filler is Dominican and Nicaraguan. So It's really smooth, actually. How much does one of these run cost? Um, here in Indiana at the shop, it was, uh, I want to say six fifty, six seventy five. So, uh, oh, for one, yeah, oh, that's more than I would spend on a cigar. Well, that's that's not bad. That that's a pretty decent price. Um, you know, that, I guess that's about average. Um, you know, your higher end stuff, you're going to end up. You know, in in Indiana at the shop, you're you're normally going to pay between like nine and twelve bucks for. For a interesting, for a higher end cigar, and then, I mean it could go anywhere up to, you know, twenty bucks for for a really good cigar, and then depending on the shop and their selection, they could have, you know, more you know more expensive than that. So, do you invest like in a high end cigar just on a, a day you want to treat yourself? It's sort of like if I want to go buy a really expensive bottle of liquor, I'm well, gonna ha- I'm gonna have like a couple good nights with it, and then it'll be gone. The uh, the thing about the expensive cigars uh-huh. and saving them for for a special occasion is 
you end up which yeah i i do have cigars like that but i try not to have too many or or use that as an excuse Mm -hmm. uh to to not smoke them because you end up uh you know i I, I'm gonna save this for later, and then you know you never know. You could you can end up never smoking it. You do get, they go bad? No, no. no? It, well, they can. It, it can it, dry out, right? Yeah, I've, if, I've seen like a really old cigar. It's like all brittle. Yeah, if you mm. don't store it properly, it'll mm. it'll dry out and you know go to dust. Do you have like a humidor? What do you keep? Yeah, yeah? That's, I've got I've got a couple of desktops. Um, I've got a Tupper door, which is uh, mine is it's a, one of the Ziploc containers. It's about like two feet by two feet, about okay. eight inches tall. And uh, I turned that into a humidor, and I've got a wine cooler that I turned into a humidor. That's what I've seen before, wine yeah. coolers. Yeah. But that's awesome. No, I mean, so. you, I feel like you got to have a hobby, mm-hmm. right? How did you uh, get into cigars? How long has that been a hobby of yours? Um, as, as a realistic hobby, uh, about five, six years, uh, somewhere around there. Um, I've been, you know, smoking cigars here and there for probably 10, 12 years. Um, and, I mean first cigar first bullshit cigar and whatnot when i was you know the kid teenager um so um but yeah the the special occasion cigars it's it's kind of hard to do um that you know you get hit by a bus tomorrow and never get to smoke that cigar so um i got my dad a a cigar once for father's day he said oh gee i don't know when i'm gonna smoke this uh it was a really good cigar and um He's like, oh, it'll have to be a special occasion, and I said, well, just, just, just make something a special occasion. Right, this you, will make it a special occasion. Yeah, you got mm-hmm. nothing to do today. Well, make make it make it a good day. That's a special day. Yeah, I used yeah. to smoke that good cigar. So, did he ever smoke it? Uh, I'm not sure if he's had it yet or not. Uh-huh. Um, it's all I'll have to ask. I I don't think he has. I think he's still sitting on it. But. Yeah, the last good cigar I smoked, I was at my uh, cousin's son's high school graduation party in. His father gave me a cigar. He's like, this is a really nice cigar. I, I know you're going to like it. I told him, I don't smoke cigars. I know you're going to like it. And he put it in my hand and he lit it for me. And I smoked it for about two minutes. Then I just put it down. And then I walked away and forgot all about it. So yeah. I was like, that sucks. Because I know he wanted to have that experience with me. You know, bond over that. And I just totally yeah. missed the moment. And later on, it dawned on me. Like later, you know, when the alcohol and excitement of an evening out wears off. I was like, oh, man, he really was trying to have a moment with me, and I totally didn't see it and didn't catch it. And it was a big night for him. His son just graduated high school. For me, it was just like a family party, you know, no big deal. But uh, I feel bad, and especially now that, like, I've never had to consider too much about cigars until today. And I was thinking about it. It's like, man, this is something that you could really get into. You can really get into cigars as a a hobby. Oh, yeah. Stamp collecting or whatever. That's one of my one of my favorite quotes was by uh, was by Brad Paisley. It was an article in Cigar Aficionado, uh, but his, his quote was, uh, "Smoking cigarettes <laughs> is ah, see, yeah, you inhaled. That was a bad <laughs> idea." So, uh, his, his quote is, "Smoking cigarettes is a habit, and smoking cigars is an event." Yeah, I see that. And you know, it, it, it's true. I mean, it 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 obviously takes time to smoke a cigar. It's like beer to liquor. Yeah, cigarettes like a beer, cigars like the liquor. Yeah, that's that's you know you're, you're gonna take. Well, I mean, most people that appreciate the liquor are gonna take their time with yeah, it. Yeah, they're gonna you sip know. it. They're gonna enjoy yeah. it. They're not gonna not like beer where you just like it's just a habit. You know. Yeah, it's like a social thing too. I think having a beer in your hand is cold. 
Yeah. You know, and it's it's not that much alcohol really. I mean, that's that, that's it's changing a little bit with all the craft beer. Yeah, that's true. Um you get those 9% beers out there. I've got some in the fridge <laughs> and uh I I haven't had one yet. I haven't tried it. Um but that's I I haven't had a beer in a month. Oh, okay. And I I love beer. Um but I've been doing the ketogenic diet ah. and you know, beer's full of carbs. Yeah. So it's not, not helping. It's just been it's, not it's just been the whiskey and I need to switch over. I drink a lot of beer because I don't want to get too drunk. That's always the thing. Like I don't want to get too drunk. I want to control my alcohol consumption so beer's easiest, but you can still drink a lot of beer and not get too drunk. So then I still like can feel it. Yeah. So what it. what what kind of beer do you usually drink? Whatever I can get my hands on. But usually like if I'm drinking and I'm out, I'm gonna drink like a Coors Light, a Miller Light, or a Bud Light, something like that. But if I'm home and I want to drink something tasty, or if I'm out for like a special event. I like dark beers, dark stouts, porters, yeah. ports, anything like. Uh, I like Guinness a lot. I like Kilkenny. I like uh, not Kilkenny. What is it? Uh, it is Kilkenny. No, isn't it? No, that's a place in Venice. There's a beer. It's called. Uh, it's another Irish beer. Killians. K- Killians. No. It'll come to me later. I can't remember, but I like dark dark beers. I like dark coffee, like uh, black coffee, no sugar, no cream. Smithics. Dark beers. Smithix is a good one too. Yeah. Smittix, it's Smittix, Guinness, and then there's one more. Harp, well, Harp's a light beer. It's or, like, or, uh, a, I'm not sure. Something. I used to drink it when I lived in Korea. So I lived in South Korea, and there was like Irish bars owned by real Irish people. Yeah. You know, like people from Ireland. Not like an Irish bar here. It'll be like, you know, just some dude. Uh, and well, those guys had like the best beer. They had the best. You could get it, but it was cheap too. You can get it like a, a tall Guinness for like five or six bucks. I guess you could probably find something similar to that around here, but it's hard to find that around the world. Like, Guinness is yeah. expensive. Yeah. It's an expensive beer. And from, from what I understand, it's it's better across the pond than it is here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, ob- it, obviously, it's going to be, you know, fresher and... Yeah. It's not but, not an import. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got into better beers as I got older, too. I think that's something, when you get older, you start to you know, want a little tastier beer. Same yeah, thing with the, coffee. Like, I used to want a lot of cream and sugar in my coffee, and now I'm like, just give it to me black. I don't need none of other shit. Just, just like, something that's going to make my stomach hurt, really, if I drink yeah. coffee that has a lot of cream or sugar. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the fan on real quick. I don't want to... It's, it's, it's a small space here, and I don't want to... I don't want to have you get smoked out or anything. Yeah, it's getting uh, pretty smoky. Yeah. So. And this whiskey, what was it? The uh, monkey, uh, something monkey. Yeah, we're 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 drinking monkey shoulder. So. Um, at least that, that's that's what we're starting out with. Um, it's a large glass. I don't know if I'm gonna finish all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, you know, like I said, I I haven't had a beer in a month. Ah. And uh, I I think that's probably gonna change tonight. Like I already I already kind of figured it's like you know I. I think I'm gonna drink a beer tonight. What kind of beer do you have? Uh, I got, like I said, I have the Lagunitas Undercover. What's that? Um, I know Lagunitas is it like a IPA uh, or something? I think it's a double IPA, okay. but it's like nine and a half percent. Good God! Um, and I, like I said, I haven't tried it yet. And then I've got um, Windmill Brewing and Dyer. Okay, they had a release on 420 for you know in in relation with Super Troopers too, like uh-huh. not not. You know, it had nothing to do with the movie, but uh, the beer's called Right Meow. <laughs> okay. So, no, that's good promotion. Yeah, so that's I, I've been I've been wanting to try that. So yeah, I'm thinking that's um, I don't know. Are we making a progression after this to the beer. 
No, uh, that's it's up to you, man. You're you know the cabinets open, the fridge is open, whatever you want. The whiskey's one of those things. Once I get a couple sips down to me, it starts getting easier to drink. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what else are we talking about? Well, let's see. Well, you already mentioned North Korea. So no, I was in South Korea. Or, or South Korea. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. And you were there for five years. Yeah, I was there for from 2000, the beginning of 2009 to the end of 2013. Uh, I originally went out there just because I was like trying to get away from home. Like it was just like I wanted to travel and I didn't know how to do it really. I didn't know I didn't have any money, you know, so I didn't know how to just like go move somewhere far away. Like I just didn't know how. And I was just searching on the internet, monster.com, where you can just submit a resume. One of the options was like work abroad. So I clicked it and then they sent me a, an, uh, an email response like right away. They were looking for teachers out there. I just went on a whim because they give you. Uh, your first month's pay, and they give you round trip airfare. So it's like worst case scenario, you go out, you go out there, you have two grand to spend, and then you can come back. Like they can't make you stay. Yeah. You know what I mean? You already have the ticket in your hand. You already have the money once you get there, once you arrive there, and then you have like a, a free apartment too. So I was like, all right, if I don't like it, I'll just come home. It's a one year contract you got to sign. But I was like, man, they can't make you stay if I don't like it. I'll leave tomorrow. Yeah. You know? So I went and just like one day after the other, it was it wasn't bad. The food is good. The people are cool. The women are good looking. Uh, it was a not, not a bad situation. The nightlife is insane and nobody goes to sleep. Everybody drinks all night long. And I was 25 at the time. So I was like, this is Just awesome. Perfect. Yeah, this is a perfect situation. They're paying me. I don't have to pay rent. They feed me two meals a day, breakfast and lunch. I, I was a kindergarten teacher. I was teaching kindergarten at a private school for these like rich kids. And I was not, I'm not a teacher. I never went to teacher school. I never taught a class in my life before going there. So that was hard trying to like keep six-year-old Korean kids engaged that don't speak English, and I don't speak Korean. So that was hard to learn, but you, you pick it up. Kids learn English fast, and you learn fast, too, Like if you want to control your environment. And the way I always looked at it is like, they're just six-year-old kids. I should be able to outsmart them. I should be able to figure out a way to get them to do what I want. And, I mean, as a stand-up comedian, I was already doing stand-up at that time, too. I already knew how to stand up in front of people and talk, so I had that skill. And then I was also just like, I don't know, funny by nature and kind of have a, a good humor personality so I can make kids laugh. It was not that hard. It was it was a nice gig. I did it for long enough. Then I got tired of doing it, so I wanted to come home. That's, um, you know, it's something if, if I would have, if I would have came across that opportunity, I think that's something I definitely would have done. Um, I, uh, you know, the, the region, uh, you know, Born and raised. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely tried my hardest to get out of the region. Yeah, I heard that in the podcast with Keegan. Yeah. You guys are talking about leaving and coming back. I'm a product of that. Yeah. I left. I was gone for a long time. I went to many cool fucking places, and I'm still back. Yeah, like, yeah. It's the black hole, like you said. It yeah. just sucks you in. And it's because your family's here. Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's family. It's familiarity. Yeah. Uh, it's comfort. It's uh, opportunity, I guess. That, too. Um, you have no idea how many of my friends are doing better than I am financially because they stayed put. They stayed here. They made a claim. They invested in something early, and now it's paid off for them. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're definitely doing well in the experience category. Yeah, I mean, you can't really compete. I mean, luckily, unless I mean, I can't think of anybody who's followed the path I have. It's been very specific, though. Somebody yeah. trying to do stand up comedy. That's like that's something else. Uh, I don't know too many other stand up comedians, you know, that I grew up with. Now that yeah. I do comedy, I know all those guys. But I mean, like, in, none of my friends, none of my family, nobody, nobody I know growing up is doing comedy so that's like that that already gives me something unique to talk about anywhere yeah. i go and and the same thing when you're traveling like when i was in korea that's what made that experience 
so amazing is that I was doing stand up out there as well. So you put yourself in a niche amongst a tiny niche right away. There's just very few people going out there to do teach English or work, and then very few of those people are doing stand up comedy. So, yeah, so was, how did that work? Was it mainly expats that? Oh yeah. Do, like it was at the shows. Yeah, it, it uh, wasn't. It was, wasn't. It wasn't a lot of Koreans. No, was it? usually zero. It would be like Korean Americans that speak. It was anybody who spoke English fluently enough to understand stand-up comedy. You yeah, know, jokes are not easy to translate. So it'd be English teachers and military. Ninety-nine percent of the audience, yeah. English teachers and military. So that was fun though, because you get to perform for people from all over the English-speaking world. Because you can to to get a job as a teacher in Korea, you gotta be from a country that English is the native language. There's like seven countries: like Canada, United States. Ireland, uh, United Kingdom, so England, uh, South Africa, Australia. Um, I'm sure I'm missing one more. People were from like, uh, I don't know, fucking whatever other countries speak English. Uh, New Zealand, New Zealand's one of them. Yeah. Bunch of Kiwis out there. So I met a lot of people from those countries, mainly Canadians and uh, Americans. People from the States and Canadians out there. A lot of Irish. Irish are cool motherfuckers. I like Irish people. Are you so, Irish? Uh, like a little bit, a little bit. That's I, I haven't done the the twenty three and me and 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 all that, but it, I'm I'm very I'm very European. Um, that's just a mutt, you know. I've got a little bit of a little bit of everything over there. So the region's pretty uh populated with a lot of different European countries. Yeah, like, there's a lot of different European countries here. Uh, Polish, I think, is huge biggest maybe or it was if it isn't anymore well i guess that depends on on where you're at in the region i mean That's you know true. like like whiting or you know hegwish south chicago um you know like little little neighborhoods that are that are still like 100 percent polish uh you know i guess you know poc- there, yeah there's definitely pockets everywhere but you know i guess it's kind of the same as you know having your your uh, like Mexican towns mm. and uh, you know like Chinatown and and all that. Oh yeah, Chinatown, you know, Koreatown. Yeah, those all exist. You know, uh, towns that little are, Italy. Yeah, little gonna, Filipino say, town. Yeah, little Filipino it, or whatever. Italians it and you know, yeah, it's um, Greek town. You ever been to Greek town in Chicago? No. Well, actually, uh, I rode my bike there once. Uh, From here? We, no. Okay. No, we 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 drove out downtown, and my buddy was filling out applications at a bunch of different restaurants out there. Okay. And uh, you know, one of one of his old managers was managing a restaurant in Greektown. Mm. So we we rode over there. So you can apply? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually uh, not not so he could apply there. We ended up just going there just to get a couple of drinks. Oh, okay. Um, you know, say say hi to him. But Yeah, that was fun. That that's the only time I've ever uh ridden a bike downtown. Yeah, I can I don't think I don't think it's something I've ever done either. I, I I used to take my rollerblades out there when rollerblading was cool. That was back in like before I went to Korea. So it was like 2007. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, riding a bike was fun. Uh, it I could definitely see. Uh, you know, you, you have to watch out for for car doors and everything oh, yeah. else. It could be a little nerve wracking. Oh, you were like in the times. streets. Oh yeah. You weren't like on Lakeshore. No. What do you call it? No. Uh, no. We we were we were riding Lakeshore through. Drive. Riding through downtown, like oh, on, on the on the regular streets, you know, Ohio, you taking risks. Yeah, yeah, but street I, bikes or mountain bikes? What do you uh, guys have? Uh, he had a hybrid. I had a mountain bike. Oh, shit. So, uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was fun. Like it was definitely an experience to be had. Yeah, so. we, I, yeah, I should do something like that. Yeah, take no. old take the old longboard out there or something. 
Yeah. Just to like feel like you live in a city, you know what I mean? Just to like be in the middle of it. Yeah. It's a good feeling. And it's just a different feeling than we're getting out here. We're in Griffith. I live in Crown Point, pretty quiet areas. Yeah. So sometimes I need a little hustle and bustle. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to do stand-up and travel. I mean, that's another good thing about doing stand-up. It kind of forces you to travel. You can't perform for the same people over and over and over again. Yeah. So are you, are you still doing a lot here in the region or uh, have you kind of settled down? Uh, not doing – well, it depends because there's been times in my life where I'm doing a lot of stand-up and times in my life where I'm doing less. So at this point, I would say it's less. You know, I'm not doing a lot, but it's about as often as other people are. You know, but I'm just used to performing more often. Uh, but right now, it's like hard. It's hard to get to where the shows are. They're in Chicago, most m- mainly. The ones around the region, you know, for whatever reason, are harder to get booked on because people are booking their friends, which is what you're supposed to do. You know, yeah. you're supposed to book your friends. And I don't hang out as much as I used to. That's the one thing that's changed in my comedy career. Is like I'm way less likely to hang out than I used to be. I used to be the guy two, three, four in the morning just talking shit with other comedians, having a beer, just talking all night, and that's how you make friends, and that's how you get booked. But I don't do that anymore. I got a job. I got a girl. She has a son, you know, so I got to be home. So that's why I started the podcast, because I wasn't performing as often, and I still had, like, ideas that I needed some way to portray. Yeah. So I started the podcast so I can have another outlet. But I still do stand-up. I still get booked. Uh, I would say if I'm doing two shows a month, that's okay for me for now. It's just a big transition from Los Angeles to here. So I'm getting used to it. And I'm also trying to decide which are the right shows to do, which are the right friends to make, too. It makes a difference, too. If you've been doing anything for a long time, I think that you have to find ways to level up. And even if that means, you know, re-strategizing. Because to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again, just it's it's not going to get you any progress. You know, you'll, you're just kind of treading water. I hate that I use that analogy all the time, but that's how it feels to me. Uh, and doing, like, open mics for small rooms in the region, like, I'm only... I believe everybody should be doing those for fun, right? That's the fun part of it. But for me to go out and do open mics just for fun, it's not really worth it for me anymore. I've invested so much into doing that level of comedy, and the only thing you get back from it really is making the right friends, making friends. But if you can figure out a way to to like focus your attention on certain people that you see being ambitious and working hard and make friends with those people and not not you know as a ladder climber as it might seem because – Anybody that you work with, I feel you should genuinely get along with, genuinely have respect for, genuinely want to work hard for, so you can make a product or make a show that's good, that other people will come see, that people will want to promote and support and be a part of. And if you're a fake, you know, and you're just trying to make friends to ladder climb, that people will see right through that. You know, you're not going to be able to maintain that relationship very well or very long, because then, I don't know, I've seen it a lot of times where if you're fake to for somebody to like you, Eventually, you're going to get annoyed by that person because they don't Absolutely. really they don't know who you really are. So yeah. they're like talking to you a certain way that you're not going to appreciate. And then you're going to get annoyed by them. You're not going to want to work with them. I've, I've wasted a lot of time working with people that weren't as ambitious as I am. So it's just a big waste of time when someone makes you a lot of promises or when you start relying on somebody and then they falter or they flail. It's just like I should have known better. You know what I mean? Like I should have known better. I've been at this game a long time. I should be able to read people better. And I feel like these days I, I do and I can. I like I analyze the shit out of people. And that's why I like Keegan. He's really smart. He's really ambitious. He's he's driven. He's honest. You know, his personality is good. You know, he's easy to talk to. He's like a real normal human being. So I'll work with him. I'll fuck with him. But yeah. not everybody else. And the, and the few comics that I've had on my podcast, I feel the same way about those guys. Those guys are the elite comics and i'm not saying they're the funniest i'm not saying they're most likely to succeed 
I'm just saying that those guys are the like working the hardest, the the most respectable. They're 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 putting more into it. Oh yeah, you know that's uh, you know something you said on Keegan's. I think it was that you know you were talking, um, you know how how you could observe it better now, but you know telling telling the people you work with like yeah I I could do this job better than you. I could do it without <laughs> you, and you know just just along those lines, you know that's you know that I I like the way that you put it. Yeah, I mean I I. Uh, work with these people and they listen to the podcast so i know they they know i say these things but i say it to them at work i'll i'll tell them like uh, i'm the best you guys all need to watch me so you can learn how to do things right and as a part of me is you know full of ego i'm a stand-up comedian like i'm just used to having that persona where i don't care if you're judging me yeah. you know i'm gonna say what i feel and i don't really care how you respond because i know two things number one i have a good heart i'm not trying to hurt your feelings really what i'm trying to do is motivate you to work harder because in, in my line of work, animal medicine, like you really have to try hard. Yeah. I've, I've been doing animal medicine as long as I've been doing stand-up comedy, 12 years. The same At the same time, I was first a veterinary technician in 2005, and I was an RVT at Purdue. I already had an associate's degree. That was the same year I did stand-up for the first time. So I have equal passion for both, I would say. And in my line of work, it's just like comedy. You can't half-ass it. At times in my life where I'm half-assing comedy, it doesn't go well. And the times in my life where I'm half-assing veterinary medicine, it doesn't go well. So you got to like really tell people through experience. Like you got to really come here and be willing to work 100%. And if you aren't, be honest with that and the team should pick up the slack. But don't stand in the corner and make up excuses and bullshit and complain because it's wasting energy. You're wasting yeah. energy, my energy, your energy, and it's bullshit because you're an adult and you signed up for this job. You knew what the job entailed. So for you to complain about doing your job is just asinine. It's a waste of my fucking time. But uh, that's that's just my personality too. Like efficiency is everything like i tell my my people that get hired in under me i'm like i ask them what do you what do you think of me and they're like oh you're really hard working and i'm like no to you it seems that way <laughs> but the truth is that i'm really lazy so i want to figure out the easiest way to yeah. do everything yeah the easiest way and sometimes that means working hard for a short period of time you work really hard for a short period of time and then you can relax for a longer period of time yeah. and especially if you're super anal and you check every detail and make sure you didn't make any mistakes cuz then the people that are ahead of you, the, like my bosses, my administrators, my managers, they see that I'm doing things so well that they don't have to micromanage me. So then that gives me more freedom, right? I just do things so fucking well that when they are looking, I don't have to worry about doing anything wrong. My yeah. protocols are perfect. My procedures are perfect. My strategies, my my technical skills are just good. So I don't have to worry. Yeah, that's and, I'm, I'm the same way at work. Uh, you know, that's I I'm on a I'm on a high lift. I I put you know, take the pallets, put them up in the racks. Uh, but that's, I, I, at work, I, I preach efficiency and, you know, everyone at work just, you know, uh, you know, Stessel's just an asshole. He bitches about everything. It's like, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not just bitching, man. Like I, I I'm making points. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to explain like, you know, if we do it this way, it's going to be cause, uh, you know, we get, uh, we get a monthly bonus, you know, on productivity and accuracy and everything. So, you know, I, I get my bonus every month. Like, yeah, no, it actually makes sense to do it right. Yeah, so it makes dollars and cents. To like do they, it right. you know, the the other guys they have a harder time um, uh, because theirs is a group bonus. Uh, it's not just you know like, individual. Yeah, my, mine's an individual bonus. So I get my work done, and I do what I can to help them so that you know that could that could increase their cases per hour. Yeah, and uh, you know try to get them more money. And it's like, look, if we if we do it this way. And I could get this shit done quicker. That means I could come down and help you guys 
you know, uh, and 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 stuff like that. It's it's just uh, it's just common sense. But yeah, to me, it's common sense. But some do you do? You, are you been there for a while? Are you like seniority over there? Do you have uh, more no, experience? No, no. On on this team, no. Uh, I've been on this team for about a year, a little bit over a year. Mm. Um, I've I've been I've been there for see July will be six years at the same company. Yeah, and just a new position. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I see. So and is it like a a management position, a leadership no. position? No, no. So you just take it upon yourself? Yeah. Well, that's what I do too. Like yeah. I actually applied for the head, I'm a technician. I applied for the head tech job. I didn't get it. This other girl got it. Whatever. She's been with the company longer. She deserves it. I don't even care. But uh, that that kind of put me in a position where I'm not technically management, but I still take it upon myself to, yeah, to direct people in the right way. And they always appreciate it. Yeah, Over a long it, period of time, like maybe not at first, but over the long run, they appreciate that I'm trying to help them. Yeah, it's just good teamwork. Yeah, and it know? is. Like, imagine if I just watched you do something that I knew I could help you do easier and I didn't say anything. Yeah. Like, that's an asshole. Yeah. The guy who says, hey, <laughs> let me help you is not the asshole, even if he says it in a way that you don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if he's saying it in a way that makes you feel judged, who gives a shit? Swallow your pride. Yeah. Put your ego away. Learn how to do it another way from someone who's been doing it longer than you. Yeah. And if I'm... you don't like it, fine. Don't fucking do it. But at least... Try to learn. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to tell you I fucked up. Yeah, me too. You know? And that's that's a man thing too. Yeah. I work with a lot of women. I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> no, no, we got we got one in the office, and everyone on the floor on on my team is, uh, uh, you know, we're all a bunch of guys. Yeah, so. dude, that's totally different. I work with probably 50 people, and there's three guys. Three guys. Everybody else is a female. Veterinary medicine is 80 percent women. The industry. Yeah. So it's just something I got to deal with. Uh, and not to say that the all the women are that way, but a lot of them are like, not that they don't admit they made a mistake. They're just not ready ready to admit they made a mistake like I am. Like, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I I did that. My yeah. bad. But what, like, I told my boss one day, I'm like, he he said something about getting in trouble. I'm like, you're not my mom. I'm not in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, do you really think? And I told him that because we weren't talking about something I did. We were talking about somebody something somebody else did wrong. And they were talking about getting in trouble. And I was like, man, you guys have a weird concept of what work is. Like, you have a choice to be here or not. If you don't like it, you can leave. So yeah. you don't have to be here. So if anybody makes you feel small or makes you feel like you're insignificant or makes you feel like you're not respected, you shouldn't work for that person. Yeah. You should never let them make you feel that way. You shouldn't put them in a position that they can make you feel that way because you guarantee they also make mistakes. The managers make mistakes. The everybody, the fucking administrators make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, so you can't let them make you feel like you're not worthy. Yeah, see, that's we're we're actually going through that right now. Like our uh, our facility team leader that was there, you know, since before I I started, um, he got canned. No shit. Um, because he just, you know, a, a lot of shit came out, a lot of rumors came out, whatnot. But I mean, it was to the point where, like, when I started, he was really good with. Uh, with like you know being there for everybody you know helping everybody out uh you know a, a little bit of compassion i guess uh, okay. you know for 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 his for his team um and in the past couple of years everything just went to shit and you know he just it, it was pretty much just ah, well well fuck you guys um so they they canned him and now we got a guy that uh see he's been there for about a month i think and you know he's the type of person where all right you guys are behind i'm a, I'll, I'll come down and i'll I'll, I'll pick some cases for, you know, I'll, I'll do this. You know, he, he's there to help us. And, um, you know, just, it, it's nice to have that feeling again, to, to have, to have your boss actually give a shit. Yeah. You gotta have it. I mean, I, I'm lucky. I got a good boss. 
he's a young guy. He's 30. How old are you? I am 37. Yeah, I'm 34. I'll be 35 in a couple months. So he, he's not young, but, you know, younger than me. And uh, for a doctor, that's young because they get out of school when they're, like, 27. Yeah. So to be 30, you've been out of school. I, th- I look at it that way. How long have you been out of school? Yeah. Because as long as you're in school, you're still not living, like, real life, like yeah, real adult a good life. Way. That's definitely a good way to look at it. Yeah, because t- he and I talk all the time, and he listens to my podcast because it's about pets. So he'll give me advice and stuff. He'll be like, yeah, in your last podcast, you probably would have killed a couple animals by them taking your <laughs> advice. And that's why I always tell people in my podcast. Ask your veterinarian for your yeah, advice. Yeah, I, I, I like your disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. So. Don't I don't want to kill anything, but I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I haven't killed anything in a while. It's been oh, a while. <laughs> not not that you weren't supposed to. Yeah, no. Animal, <laughs> animal medicine is fucked up in that way, man. You you would be. I guess you wouldn't be surprised, but there's a lot of death in medicine in general. Yeah. I bet human medicine too. I just don't have any experience in it. But anytime you work at a hospital, that's where shit comes to die. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's how it goes. Yeah, that's. Uh, I I worked uh, for a private ambulance service for a while. And, um, oh, that's how you knew about the dermal punch? Yeah. Well, no, actually, the dermal punch I knew from hanging out at the tattoo shop. Oh, no shit. So, uh, oh, that's what they use for like putting gauge earrings in or something? Yeah. Like they're, you know, you could get, you get the dermal punch in your ear and then, but I mean, then that hole is there forever. Like if you, if you gradually gauge it up, you know, it'll, it'll eventually shrink back down. Oh, really? the The dermal punch, uh, you know, you could still gauge it out after that, but it's only going to shrink back to the original punch hole. Yeah. Really? So learning something I mean, new today. You know, if if you stretch them out real far and let and let them grow back, you know, the, yeah, they'll shrink back, but it's gonna look like a little asshole on your yeah, earlobe. You yeah. Know? So, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, back like eighteen to eighteen to twenty, eighteen to twenty one, somewhere around there. Like you know, definitely spent a lot of time in the shop. Yeah, uh, you don't have any tattoos that I can see. Uh, actually, the, oh, there's one. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, you know, I've got a few. Uh, uh, Calvin and Hobbes. There you go. Oh, he's More got a Calvin and Hobbes. He's got a husky out there named Hobbes. Oh, look! Yeah. Now he's showing me. He's got actually a yeah, lot I mean, of ink. I I haven't had anything done in a long time, but leopard gecko. So yeah, like one, two, three, four, five ish. Uh, seven. Seven. Uh, I got one over here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, seven. I have two. Yeah. On my shoulder and on my back. Yeah. Uh, I would never get more. I'm glad that I didn't get really into it when I was young, because now I'm glad that I don't have a lot of tattoos. Right, so it's been probably about ten years since I've got any work done, uh, maybe longer. Um, and like ever, you know, I've been itching. I just haven't, you know. I mean, that's that's definitely something serious to think about. Yeah, it's, it's uh, a commitment. Yeah, it's, it, a, it's, it, a big, it's permanent. Heck yeah. Uh, so I can't say never. There might be something I get done one day. That's you know, I definitely want to get something with my son. Yeah. Um, I just haven't figured it out yet. I know. Uh, like when when we got his first ultrasound picture, he looked like a gummy bear, you know. <laughs> and so I was going to get a gummy bear put on me somewhere, you know. Oh, like, that makes sense. You know, gummy bear, none of his, his handprints or footprints or something. What was his but, name? Kenneth. Yeah, Kenneth. I met him in the living room today. Cute yep. guy. How old is he? Like two? Uh, two and a half. Ah, uh, I got so, my kid ages down pat. Yeah. So now you said your fiance. Yeah, my fiance has a son. He's seventeen though. Seventeen. Yeah. So Jeez. I don't have a kid at home. Yeah. We have a seventeen-year-old at home. My yeah. fiance and I are the same age. We're thirty-four. She had him when she was seventeen. So that's a. I, you know, her and I dated a long time ago. When her and I dated originally, he was five. Yeah. We dated when he was five till he was eight for three years, and then we broke up for like nine years. We were not together. She got married. She was with some other dude. I was in whatever doing comedy in in Korea and. LA doing my thing comedy and uh then one day we got back together. I came home to record a comedy special in uh January 2000 2017, so just a year ago, right? Yeah. I came home to film the special and she came 
and we hung out and one thing led to another and she was getting a divorce so i was just like well, let's yeah. give it a shot and then one thing led to another and here i am back yeah that's uh she was the one that got away you know yeah the one that got away the one girl that i was always like i knew i fucked up you yeah. know by losing her and i totally lost her originally because i was just the most selfish person in the world i was in college so I, when i met her i was 23 i was 23 24 25 and in those years i was just super selfish i just didn't know anything about life i just wanted to have yeah. fun that's all i could think about that's i mean that that's that age for you mm-hmm. you know so but it all it all came full full circle because now i'm back home get to spend time with my family being away for 10 years i was gone for nine years that was like a big chunk of family time that you yeah. miss like my mom i had to like get re-get to know my mother you know my brothers and sisters my sister has a daughter my niece that i like barely knew and that's hard that's really hard I don't know. I grew up like close with my family. I don't know if you know this, but my family is like big in Griffith. You have you seen the signs in the entrance to Griffith on Broad Street that have all like the state wrestling yeah. championships? Yeah. Those are all my cousins. Oh no shit! Yeah, my cousin Angel <laughs> was a four-time undefeated state wrestling champion at Griffith High School. Yeah, my cousin Andre was a state champion there. My cousin Jose. Uh, so like Griffith, I spent a lot of time here in my high school years when they were all badass wrestlers. Yeah. So Griffith has got a little, a little touch in my heart. My cousin lives around the corner. My other cousin, like, I have three cousins who live around the corner from here, and my grandmother's house is right down Broad Street, like, five minutes from here. Yeah, right on. Yeah, so this is pretty local. I might stop by some cousin's house on the way home from yeah. here. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, yeah, Griffith is a is a happening little place these days. You know, we've yeah. got, got a lot of stuff popping up. So. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad region location. It's real close to the highway. You can get right on uh, 8094 pretty easily. Yeah. Hit to Chicago pretty quickly, and then you got all the other region towns around you. So, how do you feel about smoking the cigar? I mean, you're killing yours a lot faster than mine, but I still feel pretty comfortable. My face is buzzing a little bit. I have a little bit of a buzz yeah. from it. Because I haven't drank much of the whiskey, so it's definitely the cigar. Uh, but it feels nice. It's a light buzz. It's not like a cigarette buzz. Cigarette buzz will hit me hard. Like, I'll get yeah. really nauseous. Well, that's you don't, you don't smoke regularly, do you? Never. I mean, yeah. I've smoked a cigarette... The only times in my life is when I'm drunk with a friend who's like a chain smoker, and I'll just like, yeah, give me a cigarette. But it never, it never anything that I'm proud yeah, of or would even tell anybody about. Really, every time I would try to quit, and you know that first cigarette back, it was you know, yeah, just getting that, getting that head rush and and whatnot. Yeah, I like a little a little cigarette buzz. It feels nice, but it's not. I don't know. To me, it's not attractive. It's not an attractive buzz like yeah. a weed high or something. You know, I feel like. Uh, it's a little bit more attractive, but it's not, it's still nothing. Like I'm not a smoker. I don't smoke really. Yeah. yeah so it's like, even it's, it's cause I, I think it hurts my lungs. Like yeah. that's the thing that I have with cigarettes, especially it hurts my lungs. I don't see how people can handle that. Well, when, when, when I was smoking cigarettes, I would smoke, uh, you know, at the, at the peak times, you know, for, for years, uh, I was smoking, you know, at least two packs a day. If, Jesus. I, if I, if I was out at the bar, it'd be three. Holy you know? shit. So, were your parents smokers or something? Yeah, my parents were smokers. Um, but that's I, I I tried quitting plenty of times. Uh, and then let's see, July will be three years since oh, I quit shit. smoking. So, did you make a transition from cigarettes to cigars, or you were already no, doing no, both? I, I was already doing both. Um, okay, you know, like I said, um, seriously with the cigars. About, oh, you said like six years. Yeah, about six years. Um, which. I guess I, I could thank my, my ex-wife for that uh, because I, I was still smoking cigarettes when I was married, but she didn't know. <laughs> uh, she knew I smoked cigars, so that would be my excuse. I'd, I'd go buy, you know, like a a, a 
a pack of black and mild or something and tell her I'm going out to smoke a cigar and walk around the apartment complex and, you know, smoke a couple of cigarettes while doing that. But then that's, that's how I started going to the, the cigar lounge that I started uh-huh. going to. And, um, you know, that, that's where I got like a lot more serious into the, into the hobby aspect of it. I saw a cigar lounge in Maryville on 30. You know which place I'm talking yeah, about? Karma. Is it good? Yeah. I went in there one time That's, just to uh, check it out. It seemed like a cool little spot. Yeah, they've got they've got a really a really great selection. The, the lounge is beautiful. It's a beautiful place, yeah. Um you know, that's I have heard a few stories about, you know, bad blood. Uh I've never had any bad blood there, so you know, I you know, I, I stay out of I stay out of all that stuff. Drama. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. That's, I stay home a lot, man. I'm telling you, that's like you got a family here. You used to probably stay home a lot. You seem the type to me. Me too. I I wasn't used to. I'm new. If people that know me before this relationship wouldn't wouldn't call me a stay home type of guy, but I would say it hit me like suddenly, like maybe when I was 31, 32. At 28, it started, and then when I was like 32 ish, is when it really hit me hard. Where I just like don't see the point in going yeah. out. It's not that I don't like going out. When I do go out with like my friends or my girl and we have a good time, you know, that's great. But sitting at home thinking about just going out just to go out, I don't I don't enjoy that anymore. No, that's I mean, yeah, the on, on the on the occasion, yeah. Yeah, but, on the occasion. You know, I, I have everything I need here. You know, I've yeah, got, I got my family here. Um I've got a cabinet full of whiskey. Yeah, food. Uh, you know, a fridge, a fridge with beer. You yeah, know, food. I I don't have to drive anywhere. Oh, that's um, nice. You know, and and my fiance is you know very cool about it. You know, letting me come out here and have a cigar and you know do do the podcast or you know anything like that. And I, I've got my little space here. Uh, you know, when we bought the house, she she told me she didn't want to park in the garage, and I tried I tried making her park in the garage, and she didn't want to. She said, "No, make that make that your space." Hell yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously, I focused on this little corner here. No, uh, this is legit. You know, but this is the most legit studio I've been in yet. Oh, sweet! Yeah, <laughs> and I've recorded, and I've done, like I said, like six or seven other people's podcasts. And it's always like in somebody's living room or something like that. So this is the first legit studio space. So, and you're engaged. I'm just learning. So, cheers. We're both engaged. Oh, thank Thanks you. Thanks for the hospitality. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, that's I. It was funny. I was at the I was at the cigar lounge in Cherryville. Um, yesterday, and I got the text message because we're we're just gonna, you know, have a have a real small wedding with you know just us. Mm. Um, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take off the 17th so we could get married." It's like, <laughs> "Oh, well, all right." Of next month? Uh, yeah, May. Oh no, shit. So it's coming right we're up. Gonna, we're gonna get married on the 17th, and then. At the end of the month, we're like we we already had a vacation planned. We're going down to see my parents in Florida. Okay. Um. So, yeah, like the the guys at the cigar lounge were the first to hear it officially. Hey, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> celebrate with the cigar. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I was already halfway through it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, getting married on the seventeenth. Um, I lost my uh, fuego here. This lighter is not working very well. Did Keegan finish his cigar? Yeah. All right, good. I don't want Keegan to beat me, so I got to finish mine. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did good. Um, if I remember correctly, we, uh, he actually smoked two because we ended up spending spending quite a bit of time after we recorded, just sitting out here bullshitting. Oh, okay. And um, you know, ended up having another one. Um, yeah, but he's a cigarette smoker, so he could take it. 
That's... You don't think that helps? Well, I, I'm sure it helps. It's got to, man. I'm telling you, it's the lung capacity thing. Like, yeah. how much smoke can your, can your body handle? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, like I said, man, um, mo- most of the time, you know, back in the heyday, it was it was close to three packs a day most nights. Because, you know, at that time, I was, I was at the bar all the time. Yeah, that'll do know? it. So, you know, it goes hand in hand, drinking and smoking. Um, it does. So. Like I said, every time I'm smoking a cigarette, I've been drunk. It's just like. It's just trying to have a good time, trying to feel good. Anything to make you feel a little better. Yeah, and chasing you know, that dragon. Just that that hand in hand. Um, yeah, something to do. Yeah. I'm a nervous like play with a pen type person. Play yeah. with my keys, whatever, anything like that, and just fucking agitated fiddling. Try to get out of those habits, but you can't help it. I used to be like a foot tapper. Yeah, I kind of like trained myself not to do that. Just like <laughs> hold my leg down. Just because it makes other people nervous. Yeah, you know, it makes other people like it's it's awkward. It's like a distraction. You know, so aside from the uh, from the head buzz, how do you you know? Uh, the, does it taste all right? Is it yeah, something... it tastes good. It's smooth. I haven't aside from the accidental inhale, I haven't had any problems with it. I don't know how if I'm do, what I'm doing right or wrong, but it seems good to me. Well, it's smooth. Yeah. It tastes fine. It tastes like a nice cigar. I mean, because I've had cigars that tasted disgusting, like I wouldn't have been able to make it this far. Yeah, and this one isn't like that. It tastes light. That's, I'm glad this is. That's. Uh, I think I've had this one once before, but. Uh, I think it was after one or two, so I couldn't really taste it. Yeah, I couldn't really remember remember if it would be a good one to start off with. But you is know, it good? I, Do you like it? Yeah, I like it, it. To your taste? Yeah, I like it. Uh, is this something you would smoke on like a casual yeah, Thursday or I whatever today is? For the price, it's definitely it's definitely there. Um, you know, like I said at the at the lounge, it was like six seventy five or something. Well, I appreciate you it. Could you. Prob- you could probably get it online for you know around. Four and a half, five bucks. Uh, yeah, I was gonna ask you could buy like a box. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, everything on the walls here. Um, oh, that's cool. Uh, most of them were were from my own purchases. I've got a few that uh, friends have dropped off for me. So see, I'm gonna take a quick photo. Yeah, do it up, man. Actually, I'll take photos at the end because I want to, uh, you know, commemorate this. I'm always up for promoting my shit on my own social media stuff, so it's nice to have photos. And I always forget, I'm like, I'm a normal dude, yeah. like, not the type to take photos at all. If you look at any of my social media stuff, there's such huge gaps because yeah. I don't think about it. Yeah. When I'm out doing stuff, I don't think about taking pictures or video. I'm trying to get better at it because I'm, you know, I'm aware of the era that we're in where it matters. Yeah, if you want to have a following, you got to have content, and it's got to be regular or they lose interest. Yes, but you know, stuff like this, you know, I definitely have to stay up on it, which I. You know, I go. I guess I go through spurts. Um, you know, there's times where I'm I'm posting posting something on Instagram mm-hmm. every day, twice a day, something like that. You know, but I mean, it, it kind of depends on, you know, if if I get a chance to smoke a cigar or right. or what I'm smoking because right. you, know, you can't just keep posting the same picture of the same cigar all the time. Yeah, it's got to be something interesting. You know, if I'm if I'm smoking something that I've posted before, it's like yeah, sure, it's a different picture. But I mean, most of the pictures are just you know, it's a picture of. My hand holding a cigar, you know, or, yeah. or, or posing the cigar on something. Yeah, so, so I, I can't see myself doing that either, but that's what other people do that post their Instagram or whatever, and they're regularly posting. It's just like a, a selfie, same fucking selfie, but they're wearing a different outfit or yeah. they're in a different place, a different bathroom mirror or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? With, with, with duck lips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I don't want to be that guy. I just don't want to be, but then all the people I speak with that are – doing better than I am in comedy. They're like, so you don't want to be successful? Is that what you're telling me? You don't want to whore yourself out there? You're like, well, it's got to be a balance, right? Yeah. It's got to be like, not everybody has to do it that way, I hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but maybe I, that's I, why, you know, I'm not famous. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure reason. I'm sure it's definitely a good 
good uh good like kickstarter to you know like you said to to keep everybody interested having something there every day to for to to stay in everybody's vision you know yeah actually i spent i didn't work today i spent the whole day doing promotion and planning promotion for the podcast in particular because like uh, we talked about the stand-up it's it's not that i i could do stand-up a lot more frequently than i'm doing it now it's just not first of all no one's asking me to do shows which is hard for me to to ask them not that i couldn't or wouldn't and maybe i will but right now i'm just like really trying to focus on my relationship like this new that's why i came here yeah i was doing well in comedy in los angeles you know i was yeah, doing man, the roast that's... battle i was climbing ladders i was meeting the right people everything was going great but the one thing i didn't have was like a, a st- stable home life yeah. at all like my home life was disaster i was i was living at this dirty ass apartment in long beach close to the beach great Cheap rent, great, but I was living with this crazy chick like that I met on Craigslist, you know, like a Craigslist yeah. apartment listing. Just really unhappy, like just really unhappy with my living situation. Comedy going great, unhappy with my living situation. So it's like, I think as you get older, you can't just sit idly by and live un- uh, uncomfortably, like where you don't want to go home. Well, I th- I think I think it was you that, that mentioned, you know, like uh, 2 o'clock in the morning at the comedy store. You know, just you didn't want to hang out with everybody anymore. You know, yeah. it was just uh, it, it. You know, got tired of it. It just wasn't the lifestyle you were looking for yeah. anymore. Not everybody's the same, and I think like you gotta like window shop for your life. You know what I mean? You gotta like, try different things to know what you like and don't like. And especially when I, you know, I don't want to be fifty and and no, I never tried. But at least yeah. I, I know I tried. I I tried. I was at the comedy store. I was hanging out. High five, everybody knows my name. Great. I get to go in the back VIP, little fucking private areas. All great, but you, all those little relationships are so superficial. They're such superficial relationships, and you're aware of it, and, and you're trying to use it to your advantage, you know, because you're trying to get in the right door, shake the right hands. But at the same time, you, you know that it's fickle, right? If all yeah. that falls apart, then you're, you know, you're left with a hand with nothing in it, with nobody there to support you, back you up. And, it, and it's, I think it's like a good lesson for anybody who's, you know ever left home you know you leave home and you and it seems like the grass is greener on the other side you guys were talking about it in your in the podcast with keegan like you said you've uh uh what'd you say you've looked at the greener pastures or something like that yeah that's i mean you know i've definitely you know i've definitely gone to the other side you know uh and like like phoenix it was it wasn't the grass was greener it was the rocks in the the yard that were greener yeah uh you know paint painting the rocks green so that you had something that looked like a lawn (laughs) And not just desert. Yeah, um, which I I loved Phoenix. Phoenix was great. I was there How for six months. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I I went out to visit a friend of mine for a week and just stayed. And you know, uh, what was it? The say I think I got in on a Sunday or a Monday, and that Tuesday I started working where where my buddy was working oh, at. Okay. Um, and you know, had a blast for six months, man. I loved it. And then uh, the place that we worked for was a real shady travel. You know, it, it it was fucking it, it was worse than timeshare. <laughs> it was like a, a travel club. Okay, and so it was so, like a pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah, it was it was horrible. That's cool. Um, but you guys and, were making some money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know they you know eventually those schemes get caught up and shut down. Yeah, and uh, you know so they they closed. You know we went to work one day and all the doors were locked and no there was shit. a sign on the door saying sorry we're closed. Wow, permanently. And uh, so. It's like, well, all right, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go home now. <laughs> I think that was a clear sign, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you, I kind of, I feel like people 
from this area, like me and you probably, I mean, I was just chasing better weather. Like that was a big part of it, just chasing better weather. Because Northwest Indiana is not that bad. With Chicago nearby, we have everything. Yeah. We have everything. We have everything yeah. that you're going to find anywhere else in the world. I've been a lot of places and there's not other shit. The the only thing that we don't really have is is, is mountains, you know. Yeah, we don't That's, have mountains. I mean, I talk the, about that a lot. For the, for the most part, we don't have any scenery. Yeah, it's pretty flat, and then we have a lake. But we yeah, don't, we don't have an ocean. We don't have a mountain. Um, uh, no, this is true. You do we, have we, to travel quite a bit. We got some hills, <laughs> you know. Yeah, some but, sledding hills, some yeah. good sled hills. But I mean, you know, once once you live in an area that's got scenery, yeah, it's such it's, a fucking difference. Yeah, it is, and that's you know, even in uh, Phoenix, um, you know, I one thing I wanted to do was was go hiking. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and and you know, go hiking through the mountains and and everything, you know, through the desert. But I wouldn't go by myself for for obvious reasons, you know, because um, you've seen that movie 127 hours. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I haven't, but I know the basis of it, um, but. My my roommate wouldn't go with me, hmm. and I'm, I'm not going to go by myself. You know, I'm going to end up with without without any water or yeah. see. I'm I you know at the time uh, you know I wish I was still as big into reptiles as I was then, uh, but you know the whole the whole reason I wanted to go hiking through the desert was to see what I could find. Some lizards, some, yeah, you know, yeah, snakes, they're everywhere out there, I, right? A, a Gila monster, oh, you no know. That's, yeah. I I would love to see something like that in the wild. No man, I'm a big uh, animal lover, uh, and wildlife too i'm still i think i've never grown up like if i see a deer on the side of the road i'm like damn that's fucking cool yeah and even little creatures like i love snakes and lizards not that i love them but they're interesting yeah like i'll watch i'll watch a, a amphibian documentary and just oh, go, yeah. holy shit this is crazy i love all those bbc life documentaries like, yeah that's animals to me are like it's like reality television you know what i mean it's like yeah. wow but they're really unpredictable, unlike humans, which I think once you put a camera on a human, they're pretty predictable. Yeah. Put a camera on an animal, they don't notice. You know, they don't have any consciousness of the camera. So they're just going to do animal shit. Yeah. yeah. What, you know, whether, you know I, I can't imagine how many hours it takes to get some of the footage oh, that they man. get for that shit. These guys are heroes. Yeah. They're like groundbreaking. I mean, some of the shit that I've seen, that there's no way, you know, 20 years ago people knew that shit existed. You know, the animal behavior or species and shit like that. That's the one thing I do miss about living anywhere where there's nice weather, being outside and experiencing nature. Yeah. Like when I lived in Thailand, I lived on this little island, and there was, like, giant frogs and little tree frogs and shiny butterflies and beetles the size of your hand. And there were snakes all around and termites that looked like fucking little mice. They were so big. Uh, crazy shit like that in the jungle. And it's like, man, that, that was... So you know, you live in Northwest Indiana, and you don't have any concept of what's that like. You watch a documentary, you talk to a guy who was in Vietnam, and you think you understand. But when you live in it, it's a it's a totally different world. It's just wild. It's a wild little world yeah. that we don't have any consciousness of. Especially people in North America, in my experience, don't travel that much. They might go on vacation to like a resort in Mexico and yeah. Cancun or something, and just be in America somewhere else. Yeah, you know, or. It- uh, just tourist traps in general. Tourist traps are where you're going to go not experience any culture. Yeah. Like anytime you go to the Eiffel Tower or anytime you go to Navy Pier, I mean the equivalent, you know, somewhere else, you're going to like, you're just going to see shit that they marketed for you yeah. to attract you so you can spend money. Go somewhere where they don't think you're going to go. That's where you're going to experience yeah. it. And then get a job. That's how you really experience like another culture. Get a fucking job, get a paycheck. That'll teach you a lot of lessons. Getting yeah. a paycheck in a foreign currency. Yeah, that's uh was a one of the episodes I had um we we did a Google Hangout with a guy from Thailand. Uh so 
uh, we, you know, we had, uh, we had him, him in Thailand and then me and me and my buddy Dave out here in a garage. Okay. And, um, you know, talked about that a little bit. He's got a, he's got a cigar blog that's, um, what is it? Cigar blog, CJ.com, I believe. Hopefully I didn't fuck that up. Uh, but, um, you know, it was, it was cool to hear about the, the cigar scene out there, you know? Oh yeah. Heavy smokers in Asia. Yeah. Super heavy smokers. I mean, I guess. I, I, well, I, they all they're all short, so. <laughs> stunting their growth. <laughs> cigarette smoking is fucking children. Yeah, I don't know why. I think like Asian culture, in my experience, is just a little more strict, right? So they find any way to relieve stress. Yeah. So they drink a lot, they smoke a lot, and there's not, in my experience, there's not a lot of drugs, right? I'm yeah. not seeing too many people smoking meth or even like doing Adderall or you know doing coke or smoking weed. Like when I was in Asia, you don't really see any of that, even in a really hardcore scene a hardcore social partying scene, most people are just getting drunk. Right? Yeah. You have very few people in it that are Asian, not American. A lot of Americans find ways to get fucked up. Yeah. When I, anywhere I've traveled, man, if you want to... The, the the foreigners that... or I'm sorry, the, the people from those other countries that have drugs are selling them to the foreigners. That's who their market is because they know that that's part of our culture, really. That's crazy. Uh, no, that's... I. I don't know. I, I've never really pictured Asians to be big smokers. Oh, man. Cigarettes are like $2 a pack out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like not going to help the situation. Yeah. And then that they don't have other outlets. You know what I mean? They're, they're not as free as we are. I mean, even if they live in a, a free country, like a democratic society or whatever, they don't have the freedoms we do just because they're the way I saw other countries is that they're just like a little bit behind us. You know, by the time our culture affects them, they're young, and then we have to wait for those young people to get older and start making the rules. So it's always like a generation back. Yeah, all those other countries because they're getting all this influence from our TV, our movies, our radio, our media, our celebrities, and then that affects them when they're young because young people are the only ones that really like idolize celebrities. Old older people really don't, and then those people get older, and then their culture changes. But it's it's like a little bit behind. So to to touch back on L.A. a bit, yeah, um, I. I seen, um, I think it was on your Facebook. You had a poster for the comedy store with uh, with Dane Cook. Oh yeah, yeah, that was so, cool. So how how like did well, it was was that a circle that you normally ran in or? Well, I got lucky. Uh, I went out there straight doing stand up comedy in Korea. We were with Stand Up Soul, so like I had all most of my experience in in Korea. So when I went to LA, immediately my stuff wasn't really connecting. So it took a little while. I was doing some open mics. And then just randomly, like, I literally was, I went out there with a couple of friends, and one of them was a comedian, and we had done some open mics together, and he was a writer more than a stand-up. So he started doing, writing more, and I started working more. And so we both weren't doing stand-up. And then just randomly, he and I are hanging out one day, we're just, like, drinking, eating, and I'm like, why don't we go do an open mic? Let's just go sign up for an open mic. And we just went to Burbank, to Flappers Comedy Club, and we signed up for an open mic, which turned out to be an audition. He and I both didn't know. We're just like, put our name on the list, and we're just chilling. And then before I know it, they're announcing the show and describing like what happens, and it's an audition. And uh, I hurry up and put together like a quick three minutes. It was a three-minute audition, and he did the same, and I got booked right away. It was 25 guys there. They only picked three people, and I got booked right away. And he got booked later. My friend, he's a really good comic. He's from Seattle, uh, and he got booked. He did the audition, and he got booked later, but I got booked immediately for a main stage show. So I got put on that show with a couple of comedians that had just been there longer than me, done more than I had, known more people than I did. And on that show, I just killed. Like on that one show, I did really well. It was like my normal material, but somebody in the crowd's uh, phone alarm went off. 
and I like uh, played off of that, and like they they like interrupted my whole shit, and I forgot what I was gonna say, so I started riffing off of that person's phone going off, and it like just did so well that one of the guys from that show came up to me afterwards, and he's like, "Yo, you're a real comic." You need to be doing different shows. Let me put you in touch with my, uh, his uh, show producer, his producer. So I got in touch with that guy, and that guy started putting me on shows right away at the comedy store. So I went from one day hardly doing any shows at all to accidentally auditioning to doing shows at the comedy store within like a three-week period. Like That's crazy. Right away. And those shows that I was doing, they were bringer shows, which I didn't know what that term really meant at the time. A bringer show is where you get more time and more money depending on how many people you bring, right? So when you're not from Los Angeles, it's really hard to bring people. Yeah. So you, I, I didn't know anything. So the way it goes is you get your bringer show, you get an awesome flyer with your name next to Dane Cook and this beautiful fucking flyer that you can show people. And then all your friends and family come out. They all come out. It's at the comedy store. It's a big deal. It's my first comedy store show. And then you go to the show and you realize it's not a regular show because there's going to be some comedians on that list on that show that aren't very funny they're not very funny but they have a lot of friends yeah so they have like a popular twitter or they're on some tv show or they're a youtube blogger or whatever so they can sell shit tons of tickets and uh i can't right so those guys you're on the same show with them so your friends and family they come one time they come once they see you and they also know the next time they see you you're probably going to be telling a lot of the same jokes Right, and it's not cheap because you go to these shows and the tickets not cheap or not expensive. It was like ten, fifteen bucks, but it's a two drink minimum. Yeah. It's West Hollywood, so you got to pay for parking. Then you gotta, you know, you gotta be there for a while for the whole show. So everybody you're with has a two drink minimum. So you and your girl go. That's you're spending at least forty, fifty bucks right there yeah. on drinks because you're talking about a beer at the comedy store is like nine dollars. You want a tall boy PBR that's eleven dollars. You want to drink a cocktail that's like twelve dollars. So you get two of those automatically. You have no choice. You can get water or pop or whatever, but you know, no nobody really does. Very few people they're getting the, the alcohol. And what most people do is you get like a double. Yeah, know, and that'll fix you up right there so you cover your minimum but then you're at the comedy store you're hanging out you're gonna want to drink more you spend money there you spend money on parking then you gotta drive there like most people don't live in west hollywood yeah they live around los angeles and so that's another uh obstacle so those bringer shows yeah i got to open for that that show dan cook so there's a really good story behind that flyer so that was my first bringer show i didn't know how it worked and a bringer show means the headliner the big headliner name like dan cook doesn't know i'm on the show he has no idea who was on the show with him so if you see the flyer, my face is bigger than Dane Cook's. Yeah. My name is bigger than Dane Cook's. And I didn't know that you're not supposed to share those on your social media. So I tagged Dane Cook on the flyer on my Twitter, and Dane Cook got really mad at me. He got really mad and then didn't do the show. He pulled oh, out of no. the show because I was promoting it like I was the headliner because I just I was trying to sell tickets. Yeah. So I was trying to sell tickets that I was the headliner and Dane Cook was opening for me. And uh, you know that was not true. But I didn't care. You know, I got the flyer. The flyer looks that way. And it didn't, you know, to me, it didn't make any difference. But uh, Dan Cook pulled out of the show. But Dan Cook pulled out. And then uh, Amy Schumer got on. So then we did the show. And Amy Schumer was the headliner. And she fucking murdered. And she was huge at that time. Like, bigger than Dan Cook. Like, Dan Cook was famous, like, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. That's when he was huge. So, so, so is he, um, I, I haven't listened to anything from Dan Cook since, uh, since the whole, like Louis C.K. thing kind of came to light with... Um, the joke stealing. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of I wrote him off and um, I haven't, you know, but I, I hear other 
other comics on podcast talk about how he's just still just murdering crowds. Oh, he's fucking hilarious. I saw him live a handful of times in L.A. He's, I mean, I mean, there's more dirt on Dane Cook. He, he got uh, his home club was the Laugh Factory, and yeah. he got banned from there for uh, verbally assaulting a, a waitress for serving drinks during his set. So I guess he had a habit of you know belittling the the serving staff, the waitress staff, or the bartending staff when he was on stage that he had a habit of doing that and they told him don't do that anymore and he did it again so they banned him and that was his home club yeah. so now he's got a bad reputation for stealing jokes he's got a bad reputation for yelling at waitresses and then in my opinion for the people in my circle we thought it was pretty petty of him to pull out of the show because my face was bigger than his on the flyer yeah because that's not i didn't make the flyer i didn't make the flyer the yeah. show producer did because he knows what he's doing that more people are going to buy tickets for me if they see my face big on the flyer but Long story short, in Los Angeles, the bringer shows are something that you shouldn't continually do because then you get seen as a bringer show comic. And amongst the comedian community, that's like a lower end of comedian where you're you're not necessarily funny. You're just selling tickets for the producer who's making all the money. Right. Yeah. So like the one show I brought like 35 people, I made like ninety dollars. But think how much money the club made yeah, exactly. with those 35 people. Yeah. Think about how much money the producer got. And I got ninety dollars, which was great for me just starting out in los angeles but the bringer show again it got me on uh, a show opening for uh amy schumer and then i opened for brian callen and i opened for ian edwards and i opened for maz jabrani so these in uh john caparillo so all these like really big name comics that i got to meet shake hands with take pictures with and post that on my social media so then the other comedians in la that don't know the details see me doing big shows and then they become interested in what I'm doing. Yeah. Then they start booking me on other shows, which is like uh, what you're supposed to do. You know, you just want to get seen, right? Yeah. And then you got to be funny. Like that, there's no way around that part. You got to be funny. So you get recognition, one thing or another. I got lucky with the flappers audition. Then I got lucky that that girl's phone went off. You know what I mean? Like little things like that. And then the one guy that happened to see me introduced me to his producer, Brian Monarch. If you guys look up Brian Monarch, he's one of the biggest producers in Los Angeles. And so I was doing shows with him, so I had a personal relationship with this guy who was friends with my other friend, Craig Connett. So it's just like all these guys that were doing big things that you know, brought me onto their shows. And then eventually I started doing the roast battle. So I got out of the bringer shows scene, and then I was getting booked on like regular shows, and then I started doing the roast battle. Are you familiar with the roast battle at all? Yeah, a little bit. Like I, I haven't seen any of them, but I know what it is. That's, um, you know, I, I have, I, I don't watch anything. Okay. Like. Uh, I just I just don't have the time for it. Um, you know, I, I I just got this TV out here, but I don't have anything connected to it. I, I'll bring the antenna out to watch a Cubs game if I can. Oh, I see. You know, but um, you know, like all the podcasts, like you know, they're they're all video podcasts, but I just listen to the audio version. Yeah, you know, yeah me like, too. You know, all the all the all the uh, all the cliche ones. You know, Joe Rogan, yeah. uh, Joey Diaz, uh, Fighter and the Kid. Uh, your mom's house, all the Burt Kreischer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I hear a lot about, you know, the comedy world. Comedy uh, store, roast battle. I'm sure at least yeah. Joe Rogan, because he's had the champs on there. Frank Castillo has been yeah. on there. He's one of my friends. Um, it, it sounds fucking awesome. And it's yeah. something I, I really want to check out. But like I said, I just, I just, out there. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like uh, stand up comedy in a really raw form where it's like literally taking the most chances that you could take. You know, you're yeah. just like, you're really swinging for the fences in roast battle. It's like, because it's been going on for long. First of all, we're all desensitized. It's 2018. We all have cable television. We all have the internet. So to say something that's astounding is hard to do. Yeah. To say something that's really shocking is hard to do. But these comedians are fucking brilliant. 
right? And to be considered one of them, like I'm still ranked in the Los Angeles roast battle scene, like number 22 or something like that. I was at the highest I was ever ranked was 12, which is really good. Like to get in the top 50 is really hard. To get in the top 25 is damn near impossible. To get into the top 10 is where you're like now a television contender. Yeah. So, um, when when you were doing the roast battles, uh, like I, I imagine that you don't you didn't know everybody that you were gonna battle. So did, I mean, beforehand, no. would you do research on yeah. that person so yeah. that you could? Yeah, a quick uh, synopsis of the roast battle. It's like what you guys see on Comedy Central where they're roasting like Justin Bieber or Rob Lowe or Hugh Hefner. Who else? The the roast of Flavor Flav and the ones yeah. that people were popular. Uh, it's that, but in a one-on-one format where it's kind of uh, based off of rap battles, like mm-hmm. Eminem 8 Mile style, where it's two guys standing on stage insulting each other with jokes. And depending on where you are in a main event or an undercard, they structure it like a UFC-type scenario. If you're an undercard, you get three jokes. If you're in a, like a middle card, like a main event, but it's a lower main event, you get five jokes. And if you're in a true main event, it's three rounds, three jokes each round. So it's nine jokes. You get a couple like uh, throwaway jokes. So it's more like twelve jokes you should write, you know, for a nine joke battle, twelve or more. But these guys were uh, in the beginning when I didn't know any. First guy I roasted was my best friend, so I knew a lot about him. He and I roasted each other, and then from then on, I roasted people that either I didn't know at all or I knew very little about. Uh, but you get to know people. Like that's another brilliant thing about roast battle. You get the opportunity to challenge somebody that say you respect or somebody that you would love the opportunity to share a stage with and challenge them and hope they accept and then learn about them through conversation. You sit down with a guy, you have coffee with them, you learn about them as a person and it makes it a much more fun roast. The jokes are much deeper cutting, you know, if you know somebody about their personal life and especially if you know their personality because you know the kind of jokes that are going to make them, you know, stutter a little bit. You know what I mean? Because everybody's got a soft spot. Yeah, it's... That's pretty amazing, man. Like you've you've done some you've done some really cool shit, and yeah, I've been lucky enough to never get married and never have kids. I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, you're just able to continue to try new shit. Well, that's that's like I said earlier. You know, like if if I would have come across something like uh, you know teaching English in Korea when when I was that age, you know, I I probably would have done it in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, I mean, I recommend it to anybody. There's some stipulations if you want to teach English to in a foreign country, in Korea anyway, where you're going to make the best money. You have to have a four-year degree. You have to not have any criminal record. You can't have any felonies, and they test you for HIV AIDS. Yeah. That's a, those are the three things. You got a four-year degree from any university. doesn't matter what your degree's in, and uh, no AIDS and no criminal record. You can teach English in Korea, and you can make about, I don't know, $2,200 a month, rent paid for. You don't need a car. You can it's do a, just money for personal personal pleasure. A lot of people save their money when they go out there. A lot of people just travel a lot, and a lot of people just party a lot. So it depends on what you want to do. I know a lot of people that just went out there and saved a shit ton of money, like paid off all their student loan debt, traveled the world, and then came back home. I don't know too many. I mean, I guess there's a lot of people like me too who just like partied a lot and splurged. And I lived in Thailand for six months, and I took all the money I made in pension in Korea. You get a pension, yeah. right? <laughs> I took all my pension money and went to Thailand and just blew it all. But uh, I had a, the time of my life. I regret yeah. nothing. I spent eight thousand dollars in four months, which is hard to do in yeah. Thailand. That's hard yeah. to do. Uh, but I had a great time doing it. I wouldn't change anything. I made the best friends. I mean, the the memories. Like now, when I'm at work, you know, and I and I hear other people talking about their like problems. I'm like, well, at least 
at least I didn't always have those types of regular yeah. people problems. Like now I do. Now I have regular people problems paying bills and keeping my girlfriend happy, my fiance happy and going to work on time every day. Like that used to not be a concern of mine. I used to just think I'm going to be a comedian. So I don't care about this job. Yeah. I don't care about this relationship. I was in and out of so many relationships. I just didn't care. I was so focused on comedy. And that's why comedy went well, though. If you focus on anything hard enough, you're going to do well in it. I mean, if you're truly focused, a lot of people say they're focused and they're full of shit. Yeah. You know, they're easily distracted, easily discouraged. But if you're really laser focused on a task and a goal and you have some brains, I mean, you don't have to be. I know a lot of dumb people that are successful and I know a lot of smart people that are pieces of shit. Yeah. So it's not that it's drive. It's ambition. It's just like, how hard are you willing to work? And nothing's easy. Like you have a, a home here and nothing's easy. I'm sure it took a while to accumulate what you have here. Oh, yeah. I live in a two bedroom apartment. You know what I mean? Because I spent the last 10 years of my life traveling. But so I see what you have and I'm like, man. It's gonna take me a while to get there. Well, I'm 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 pretty fortunate and lucky to to have what I have. I mean, yeah, I I, I work hard, uh, but you know, my my fiance works hard as well. So, okay. you know, that's you know, we 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 both work hard. We both earn our money, and you know, so it's it, you know definitely a team effort. Um, I mean, it's definitely definitely hard to, hard to do these days to to buy a house or, you know, anything like that. But like I said, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate in that, in that respect. And, you know, it's just uh, icing on the cake that, you know, like I said, she doesn't have any problems with me doing shit like this. So, um, you know, yeah, I guess that kind of goes back to, you know, not, not having to go out. I mean, you know, by, by me being able to do this, I'm, I'm home more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So that's the first half. I think I got it pretty much right dead center in the middle. And don't forget, you can check out Albert Escobedo on Twitter at Albert M. Escobedo and on Instagram, Albert Escobedo. The Herfcast, you could find at Instagram is The Herfcast. Twitter is The underscore Herfcast. And you could email me at theherfcast at gmail.com. Any, any questions, comments, feedback, I would really appreciate it. Um, and stay tuned for the second part of this episode. I should have it post fairly quickly. I don't want to space it out too much because it's, it's, you know, like I said, right in the middle of the conversation. So uh, don't forget, check out flatbedcigarcompany.com and use the coupon code HC25 for 25% off your first order. Thanks for listening, everybody.